From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for March 31st, 2010. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by John Magi. Kevin Close, Teresa Eccles, Kathy Whirling, and special guest Jason Garcia from the Orlando Sentinel. Back in the peanut gallery, the Eccles boys, <laughs> Walter and Max the intern. In this week's show, we're going to talk with Jason Garcia about his work as the theme parks reporter for the Orlando Sentinel. And we're going to play this month's Stump the Roundtable game, which mm. you guys are so screwed. <laughs> <laughs> All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. I'm on medication, so... No, to, oh, right. I see. Oh, okay. The excuses <laughs> are starting already. The excuses are starting already. See, I had a chance if Kevin wasn't here, but not that I have... You have a chance of what? We're working uh, as a team. Maybe. Are we, are we working as a team? Oh, yes, good. we're working as a team. Oh, yeah. No, these aren't specifically aimed. Anybody, you know, and it's oh, stumped good, the roundtable. It's not stumped Teresa. <laughs> okay, I feel better now. It's us against them, Teresa. <laughs> you need Kevin on team? Okay. Oh, but we also have Jason's here okay. for this segment, too. Three, oh, three of us on a team. Oh, Teresa, I'm not sure oh, I want you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> What's that little ride in tomorrow, Liam? Stop. Oh, 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 the big ball, the big ball. <laughs> I know that one now. Name the middle child of the man who invented Teflon. <laughs> All right, in housekeeping this week, I uh, want to let everybody know that our, our Universal SeaWorld show is up for the month of March. That went up on Monday. Although on the podcast board, they've now taken to calling it the Not Disney Show. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's how these things start. We'll probably end up calling it the Not Disney Show. The but heart wants what the heart wants. I know. I know. But still, you know, it still brings out the people who say, I will never go to Universal. Okay. Well, okay. That's why we did a separate show. But... Uh, yeah, the uh, it was a long show too. It was uh, boy, it was. We spent mm-hmm. the night and had to come yeah. back the next day. It was. It was. It was like it was an hour. Good. It was like it an was hour. a good show. Was it? I don't know. I didn't listen. I was going to say. It was an hour and forty-five minutes. We though, weren't so. in it. I like the music though. The it music was really me. nice. Yeah, that music got added after these guys were here. I didn't have that. Yeah. The, uh, Grace was listening. Come flying out of her room. What's with the music? I said it's Universal. Calm down. You changed it all on her. Boy, does she get that upset about we make a change in the she podcast? Does. She waits for that podcast. Does she really? She does. Grace She's listens? the first, first one to listen in the family. Get out of here. No. Oh, that's cool. Where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? And she goes, beats on Max's door thinking it's his fault. It's not. <laughs> usually it's his fault. No, it's not his fault. It's oh. usually my fault. That's because I'm not going to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning anymore putting the show up. It gets up, you know, goes up when I get up in the morning. What's the sense of having an intern if we can't give him, blame him for the things that go wrong? Yeah, he does a great job editing the show. And we give him a lot to edit. <laughs> we give him a lot to edit. So you can find the uh, Universal Show on our podcast show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. It is going to go up the last Monday of every month, although we're trying with the traveling next month, trying to figure out how that's... It's going to work out for April. Uh, Also want to mention that we have just launched the new uh, Diz Tickers site for the boards. If you're one of those people who likes to put a little countdown in your signature, uh, we've just launched that. Corey and Will are putting up new new tickers every day. If you have suggestions for tickers you want them to create, there's an 
email address on the bottom of that page, DizTickers, D-I-S-T-I-C-K-E-R-S.com. You can email Will and Corey, and they will create your own special For whatever you want? Yep, yep. It's interesting. Now they're going to be, like, inundated with... Yeah, weird. Very weird requests, and they're going to hate that I mentioned it on the show. Um, Also want to let everyone know that April 27th will be the uh, start of our Magic in the Mediterranean coverage. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, or actually last month, that uh, Walter, Max, and I would be going on an 11-night Mediterranean cruise on board Disney Cruise Line. We're actually going to be covering that cruise. It's actually a working cruise for us. And uh, we will be, we'll have about, uh, right now, it looks like about 14 days worth of content going up, videos, blogs, photo galleries, uh, Gavin and Becky Wooding from the UK, and Yvette Namiel Van Leeuwen. Is that how they pronounce their last name? I don't know. (laughs) Apparently apparently they don't have jobs, though. I know. They're like here forever. Uh, They'll be joining us on the cruise. They're going to be doing some video blogs and some other blogs for us. So that's going to be April 27th. I'll be reminding you throughout the next month. Yes, repeatedly. Plus, we'll be doing <laughs> updates on Facebook. Yvette's going to write a blog. Yvette's going to write a blog, and Yvette's also going to do a video blog. That's where I'm going to put like the, <laughs> the, 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 the subtitles. Are you also going to France? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, we're going, we're going to uh, 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 All right, you're Monaco. You're going to have to put a don't. French people can't listen to Yvette's blogs in. Why? She has a thing about the French people. Oh. But are you going to have subtitles for Yvette? I have to. Because even when she speaks English, we don't know. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. We have to have subtitles for her. So that's going to be coming up April 27th. Mark it on your calendars. Oh, it is. It's right mm. there. You're just bitter because your son's going and you're not. I'm excited because my grocery bill will go down for two weeks. <laughs> that's what I'm excited about. And Disney Cruise Lines you will know, go up. You know, he can hear you. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm happy for well, him. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad he eats so much and he weighs about 11 pounds soaking wet. Maybe I'll have to throw him overboard. I'm happy for him. Really? Yeah, you're so sincere. <laughs> I am. Go for it, Max. All right, anything else in housekeeping? Yes, I would just as like to say thank you for all the, the wonderful good wishes and prayers and good thoughts and stuff like that. My mom is doing well. She's fine. She had a follow-up at a doctor's appointment today. We had a big scare last week, but it turned out to be nothing. So we're very happy. We're very thankful. That's Thank good. you for everything you've done. Yeah, last week was like the uh, you know scary mom thing, because my mom got sick. We thought she had pneumonia. Thought she was wow. Yeah. Oh, she sound- oh, my God. She sounded so bad. I was like, oh, no, this is not good. But... God bless her, boy. She's got that 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 immune system. Wow. That and a lot of antibiotics, but thank God. We also need to say thank you to Jeremy, Castaway JP, who sent the team a bunch of water bottles. These, uh, what are they called? The H- Hydro flasks. Hydro flasks. They're awesome. And they're loving them, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did an experiment. I wanted to see, as he said, they would keep stuff cold for 12, or 24 hours and stuff hot for 12. So I put ice and water in at about 10 o'clock in the morning, and I didn't try it again until the next day at 10 o'clock in the morning. And it was still, as his words, I think his words were, hurt your teeth cold. Really? It, yep. Got the teacher in you coming out. Let's experiment and see. Well, I wanted to see uh, yeah. if, you know, are I did your the claims same thing. true. We did the same thing with chocolate milk. It worked. It was cool. 
And I've ordered one for you. Thank you. That's so nice. We got you a pink one. Yeah, because oh. they were like fighting over them. <laughs> really? It was, it was brutal in here last week. Honest to God, it was brutal in here. They would just, you'd think that no. these things were lined with gold or something. It was just so shiny. <laughs> She's easily distracted, Jason. Really. It's, She's like a crow. It's, if it it's shines, sad. she goes for it. Is there anything else for housekeeping? I have something. Yes. I just want to give everybody a little update. I am still working on my um, $2,500 $2, Disney challenge for me and my family. There's been a few changes. Um, Pete has taken Max out of the mix. It's now an average family of four, two adults and two children. Max coming in as an adult, kind of, it it was doable, but we weren't average. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I hadn't really thought it through completely when I gave her the average. Um, the average that I gave her was actually based on a, two adults, two children, not three adults, two children. So it was kind of unfair. But So we made it a little bit easier for her, but that, now we're going to make her like run naked through Epcot or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Make her swim in the lakes. Or make her swim in the lakes or, or do uh, make her drink around World Showcase. There you go. I've already done that. But anyway, I think this will give us more flexibility and more opportunity to do more things at Disney and give us a little more money to play with. So, Can we just add one more thing? I apologize. I stepped right, right on top of you. You did. Uh, can we let people know that the Flying Fish Review will be done next week? Next week, yes. Apparently... Um, Somebody said they were going to post it, and people keep writing to me and asking where it is. It is going to be done next week. All right. Cool. Anything else for housekeeping? Going once, going twice, and it's off to John with the news. Our first news story is Disney Transportation Bus Rear Ends Charter Bus Near Epcot. What is going on with the buses? All of Disney transportation yeah, seems to be falling apart, doesn't it? On Tuesday, March 23rd, 2010, a Disney transportation bus collided with a charter bus just, just outside of the toll plaza at Epcot in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. The charter bus was reported to be empty at the time of the accident. The driver of the Disney bus, as well as seven passengers, suffered injuries. Emergency medical services personnel responded to the scene of the accident to transport the driver to Orlando Regional Medical Center to be treated for the serious injuries sustained in the bus collision. Oh, my. Seven Disney bus riders allegedly suffered minor injuries in the accident and were subsequently taken to Florida Hospital Celebration Health and Dr. Phillips Hospital for medical professionals so medical professionals could treat them. The Epcot parking lot was closed for several hours during, the, during which the scene was investigated. Initial reports say that the Disney bus driver never applied the brake prior to the collision. It has since been reported that a five-year-old boy, Ivan Marriott, actually broke his pelvis in two places oh my Lord. as a result of the incident. Ivan and his family were on vacation at Disney and on board the bus at the time of the crash. At the scene, they complained of minor bumps and bruises and were taken to Dr. Phillips Hospital in Orange County, where Ivan had a CT scan. Upon returning home to Arizona on Wednesday, March 24th, Ivan complained of pain and was taken to his family doctor who diagnosed the injury. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Ivan's going to be a very, very rich little boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that the name of the guy who was the millionaire that people could, or women could marry? Ivan Marriott? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that the same name? They didn't test him here to see if he had anything broken? Well, they said he only, at the scene, he only complained of bumps and bruises, so they just did a CT scan. But no one ever just thought to check his pelvis. Wow. The other thing is they said the driver was out of the bus that had been stopped. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody was inside the charter bus. Right. So And to not even apply the brake. 
they just actually today they gave the bus driver a ticket for uh, reckless driving, and they also said uh, that's the least careless driving I think. And then they said the uh, the Mears bus was improperly stopped, where it was the Mears is the Waldorf bus that the bus driver was out of. So it sounds like there are a couple, uh, of, a couple of things going on. Well, I, my impression of what it looked like from we were actually in the hospital with Kevin's mom. I was watching it on the in the emergency room. We saw the helicopter take off. From uh, St. Cloud, which is... Um, St. Cloud has a helipad and the emergency helicopter, because I guess it's so centrally located. A lot of times the emergency helicopter takes off from St. Cloud Hospital. But it looked like the the uh, bus that was stopped, the charter bus, was actually broken down. So I don't know if there's any reports of that yet. I haven't seen that. It, it would seem odd that uh, they would ding the, the bus for improperly stopped if it was broken down, yeah. but... You know, it it might be. It would sort of that would make more sense in terms of why he was actually outside of the bus right. and he was stopped. And nobody on it. Just right. taking a break. Really? <laughs> well, or you all have to get out here and walk to Epcot. But is it is it me? Or wasn't this like isn't it, is this like the third incident with a bus in like the last six months? Well, there was one with a car near the Contemporary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just found it interesting. Did you see the pictures where they brought another Disney bus up to like block the accident so that? Like the reporters couldn't get a picture of it. Well, there really? was the whole road was mm-hmm. closed off at one point. And the report, it? We saw helicopter shots. Yeah, the news yeah. kept saying we can't get near it. We can't get near it. But they put an extra bus up, and I'm like, I, that always makes me think. When, when Disney's, are they more worried about hiding it from everybody because they know everybody's coming? They more you know? worried about yeah, what's the, the what's rubberneck and PR yeah. impact of it right. versus. But they, they had this bus and you know immediately pull up and block the two buses. I picture people driving by, driver, move that bus. Mm-hmm. And come on. You know, from that, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Walter got it. It's not Epcot <laughs> home makeover. Walter was the only one. I got it. I just okay. didn't react. Oh, sorry. <laughs> she just didn't find it amusing. I got it. It was dumb. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it also brings up, you know, the, the thing about, you know, where the buses are crowded and people are standing. We haven't heard... If anybody was standing yeah. on that bus, but you know, gives gives you cause now when people are trying to crowd on a bus. Do you want to be sitting in a seat or do you want to be standing? Uh, when I do these news stories, I try to get as much information as possible, but also realize there's a time constraint. He's One, only saying that because Jason's in the room. I am trying to be <laughs> I'm really professional, but I vet all my sources. What they what they reported the. It was the grandmother and grandfather who were interviewed of this Ivan Marriott, and she said that we were going along just fine, and then all of a sudden we were on the bottom of a pile of people. So what does that mean? People thrown out of their seats? Were they standing? Were they? Well, if he didn't stop. The front of that bus was pretty racked yeah, was, up, was so I imagine closure. that impact was pretty intense. Yeah. And you're not... You know, you're not going to brace yourself because you're not going to see it coming. So you would be on a bottom. Oh, that'd be horrible. The you part. don't have to be going too fast to have a, a pretty good impact when you're talking about a machine that weighs that much. Yeah. yeah. Plus, a lot of those buses have the seats that both, you know, like face to the middle of the aisle. And those would be real easy if they stopped fast to come out of. How scary, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't think of, you don't want to think of that kind of stuff at Disney. No, you don't. You don't. And it just I'm I'm just surprised with all these transportation stories in the last few months. It's it's. Because, you know, we go years and hear nothing. And then all of a sudden, there's like this, you know, they ha- it happens in three. So m- maybe, hopefully, this is the last of it for a while. But let's hope. Uh, our second story is Universal Orlando announces official grand opening date for Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Oh, boy, they, they shot themselves in the <laughs> foot with this stupidity. On Thursday, March 25th, 2010, Universal Orlando Resort announced the official grand opening date for their much-anticipated Wizarding World of Harry Potter. 
these Wait a minute. You said on Thursday, on March 25th. I'm sorry, I thought you said May 25th. Never mind. Okay. The newest land located in Universal's Islands of Adventure will be open to the general public on June 18th, 2010. The announcement included details of the area's spotlight attraction, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. According to a Universal press release, and I quote, the attraction's newly created ride system envelops guests in a filmed action scenes and moves those scenes with them as they travel through the ride, allowing more time in the center of the adventure and with their favorite characters. This fusion of robotic technology and film scenes has never been achieved until now. In some cases, technology had to be invented to achieve the highest level of guest experience. The combination of pioneering, state-of-the-art technology, innovative filmmaking, and surprises around every corner make this attraction the embodiment of the Harry Potter book and film series and the future of theme park entertainment, end quote. Yeah, keep setting that bar real high. Um, Just to clarify a few things for those that didn't listen to the Universal show, because we went into a, a lot of detail on this, and I don't want to get too much into it here. Uh, those of you who have packages booked for the May 28th arrival, uh, Universal started selling packages a few weeks ago for Harry Potter uh, with arrivals on May 28th. When they announced June 18th, the boards exploded, apparently, mm-hmm. um, with this. Uh, people with a lot of confusion. As of right now, I, I have a, a feeling this is going to change, but as of right now, Universal is saying... Only those people who have booked the Harry Potter packages for arrival between May 28th and June 18th will be given access to that part of Islands of Adventure. So in other words, if you're staying at Portofino Bay and you did not book a package, the Harry Potter package in particular, they're allegedly going to turn you away if you try and go into Harry Potter. This is what they're saying. They're actually going to have a situation where, this is news to me, where they're going to have Potter open to sort of like a very restricted number of guests yeah. and mm-hmm. the rest of the folks and my suggestion is my, Yeah, and my suggestion is that the managers who made this decision should be the ones stationed at the entrance <laughs> turning away to the, day the Wizarding World of Harry yeah. Potter, turning away their guests. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is going to stand, because like I said, the boards went... Yeah, it would seem pretty the unusual. boards went nuts. No, I mean, we got their talking points wow. from them. This was exactly what they said, because I, I, I didn't believe it either until they actually sent me their official talking points from marketing. This is what we are telling our guests. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'll tell them. I uh, wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that they're being sort of squirrely about soft opening. They just they don't want to commit to a soft opening date. I because wonder. they know 8 million people are going right, to show up. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, the, if that's the sort of the talking points, but... But if the, the thinking is it'll be soft opened by then anyway. Well, what they're saying is they, they pretty much said in the information Pete got that um, they're going to do their very best to make sure that anyone who's booked this package gets the full experience. Yeah. So, I mean, but they really hedging, can have egg on their but face. But they're hedging that. their bets. They're hedging their bets because in the, in, the, in the talking points that we got, they said, uh, you know, as is the case at, at, with any attraction, we cannot guarantee availability right. of attractions. Right. So they're giving themselves that out. Uh, the other thing is that if you are trying to book, because first of all, the Harry Potter packages for May 28th through June 18th are sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're saying that if you try and book one between June 18th and July 31st, you need a minimum of four nights. Um, this is new. No one told us this until Walter tried to book one yesterday, and turned out this was the 
the new thing. Universal is finally experiencing what it's like to be busy. Yeah. Now they're just making stuff and, up on the fly. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be disrespectful of them, but they're making stuff up on the fly, trying to figure out how they can maximize profit because now they have full hotel rooms. And it's uh, – I, 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 again, I'm not going to go into it again because I, I kind of went off for about 20 minutes in the Universal show on this, but um, I, I really hope they rethink their strategy. They've really con- – um, created a lot of confusion. I know with the clients that have asked for quotes that they hear things and they write us and, you know, they're all, you know, I've heard more people's life stories about why they need to be, to <laughs> go Harry see Potter, yeah. Harry Potter. And it's like, you know, I'd be happy to get it for you, but it's, it's sold out yeah, right now. Does. I have uh, one more sentence I just want to read for this story. Universal has initiated a major marketing campaign to support the wizarding world of Harry Potter, including joining forces with Donald Trump, on an episode of The Celebrity Apprentice, the project managers learn they must create a three-dimensional display to launch the theme park's new attraction. <laughs> this episode is scheduled oh, I to... I want to see what Brett Michaels comes up with. <laughs> this episode is scheduled to be released we saw this April 4th, two thousand. We saw the sneak previews the other night. Oh, don't tell me anything. Don't tell me. Yeah, I watch. haven't, we haven't watched last, this last one yet. You have to see Goldberg dressed up as a tree. That's all okay, it's just don't tell me nothing, because I watch it every I'm watching it every I just week. thought that was a really strange... Uh, yeah. Synergistic thing going on. It's just well, you know, NBC on. doesn't have a lot of properties right now that anybody watches. And also, that also speaks to what Donald Trump sort of run out of ideas. <laughs> How many times can you partner with Kodak? You know, yeah, really? <laughs> it's like oh, stop it. Well, it should be interesting. I mean, yeah, they're they're marketing they're marketing it like crazy, and uh, they're going to get crowds. I, I I've been saying this for two years now. Get yourself ready for these crowds. You're not used to them. Last time you had crowds like this, you opened Islands of Adventure. That was 10 years ago. They should have built that extra hotel. They should have had it done and Mm -hmm. in the can. Yep. And now they're just going to be playing catch up. Yep. Um, I'm with you on that. So. Is that it? I have one more story. Oh. Okay. Our final news story. (laughs) Are you done yet? (laughs) Could you hurry? Sorry. Man dives into lake at Universal Orlando City Walk. <laughs> During the taping of the Ellen DeGeneres show on Sunday, March 28, 2010, at Universal, City's, Universal Studios City Walk, an unidentified man jumped into the lagoon and started swimming toward the set. The man was wearing a Are swim. You kidding me? Way to make it better. The man was wearing a swimsuit and a flowered bathing cap, and was yelling the entire time he swam towards the recording area. Oh my god. Security was eventually able to get the man out of the water, and taping resumed as usual. There was no mention of the incident by Mr. Jenner. Where's Gators and Amoeba when you need them? (laughs) There was no mention of the incident by Mr. Jenner during the rest of the show. Uh, These shows will air April 1st and April 2nd, 2010. I like that he had a flowered cap wow. on. Because <laughs> you know, this wasn't spontaneous. No, this was jump in the water. Some crazy queen. Well, what was he <laughs> yelling? Did it say what he was yelling? I like Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Oprah. Did you go over there, Kathy? No. No? Did anybody get in for the taping? No. no apparently, was... this means I didn't get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? Oh. Yeah, I was upset I didn't get my tickets. No, I didn't get tickets either. I tried several times. Didn't Speaking of jumping in lakes, have you all read the blog about the man who supposedly jumped the in? Crazy Isn't that man? awesome? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Swam to uh, the pictures. Discovery uh-huh. Island. Island. Yep. Discovery went. Island. Jason, have you seen this? No. I, I, yeah, covert activities. There was yeah. somebody posted on the. <laughs> yeah, there's this blog up. Uh, somebody posted a link to it on our uh, podcast forum. 
uh, this guy apparently, you know, donned gear and at night and under the cover of darkness swam. Wow. He made his own floaties, too. He went from river country and swam to Discovery Island, and they did this whole expedition, quote-unquote, where they took pictures and they uh, investigated the island. Apparently, this is what he does. He's kind of like an urban adventurist. He goes to places that are closed or or rarely accessible, off-limits, and tries to get in and get these. Yeah, but, you know, it's just what I worry about is that now, you know, Every idiot right. out there is going to start trying to do this. There are look, folks. It's, I'm not making this crap up. There are water moccasins in that in that mm-hmm. lake. There are poisonous snakes in that lake. There are gators. It's a lake in Florida. It's nighttime. Why do you think I end every show with stay out of the damn lakes? Stay out of the damn lakes. I think Disney will do something. I think they'll have security now. They have to. They have to because, you know, stuff like that, you know, I know everybody thinks it's cool. I don't think it's cool. I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid. I think it's reckless. And I think it's, it's, it's setting up, it's setting up for somebody to try and do this. Oh, he did it and he got all this Mm -hmm. attention. Now I'm going to go do it. And, you know, my, my ass gets bitten by a a water moccasin. I'm going to sue Disney, you know? But they they had a bulldozer when we put up those pictures that somebody had posted of River Country. Then Disney was over there with bulldozers, and they put up the fencing so you couldn't say so. Also, w- these pictures were taken. Uh, isn't the blog kind of old? 2007. Yeah, yeah it was. It's a couple of years old. But I mean, now that it's got popularity, Again, I bet you. Right. No, Disney's going to do something to Discovery Island to prevent that kind of stuff. I mean, you found bottle Coke bottles with petrified snakes in them and stuff like that. And baby vultures. Well, this is another thing that's weird, is that, is Disney just abandoning old stuff? Because the same thing with that guy who went through River Country. He found pictures, mm-hmm. and he found... Why isn't Disney cleaning these areas up before they leave them? It's the only time they get cleaned up is when they show up on our boards, apparently. Is that what it is? They get embarrassed? You know, stuff well, up? yeah, somebody... Yeah, cause somebody had put, Was it our camping board, right? Mm-hmm. That somebody posted, went, got into... <laughs> You know, River Country and posted all those pictures. And then, like you said, the bulldozers were out there a week later. And, you know, now this guy's blog has been discovered, at least. Or I don't know if they, it was because somebody posted it on our site or it was on somebody else's site and posted on ours. But um, once it gets on our boards, it's, you know, it's out, out there. there. I got to so, think with stuff like that, that's just strictly financial, right? If, if people normally can't see it, why spend the money to knock it down? And then, But once they do see it, then it's sort of... Time to knock it down. Time to get rid of it, yeah. I know when we went on that tour for NASA, a lot of their stuff, they've got it stenciled on the outside that says abandoned in place. And inside those buildings, because there's people that go in and try to see what's in them, they've just sort of left it like they went away to dinner and never came back. So that seems yeah. like I think how that's they the do part it. That I can understand leaving the buildings. I can understand that. But this guy found old photographs. See, that's what freaked me out. And I'm not out. joking. In the, in the pictures, he's got pictures of like bottles of formaldehyde mm-hmm. with baby snakes yeah, in them. Like a, like one of them is a Coke bottle. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's you know environmentally. It's like not freaky. Smart. You know, it's just yeah. I don't know. It's, like it's, it's Disney's encouraging people then, then to go look at it. But right. don't you think it's sort of weird on Disney's part that they didn't get rid of all that stuff? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's I mean, bizarre. That, that, that's not usually how they do things. When they're doing something in the park and they don't want you to see it, they've got it closed off. I mean, so why did they do this? Just a quick question. I wasn't here when all that closed up. Was it like a 
well, open one day, close the next, or was it something that was planned? No, it was, no, planned. It was planned. Yeah, I mean, so it wasn't was like you know you did come to work the next day and you, you can't get in. No, they closed it when they opened the Animal Kingdom. Oh, they usually don't do that. Well, I don't know. You look at all the abandoned pictures and stuff. I'm thinking, well, why would you leave all that? Well, no, we, we knew. I mean, we'd heard that they had announced that they were closing it. They okay. set a closing date, but. You know, no, it's just not the employees show up and the doors are locked. It's Disney, for God's sake. <laughs> well, you never know. can't get into it's the not like they fled in. in the middle of the night. It's like Eastern Airlines or something, you know. So, <laughs> all right. That will do it for the news this week. We're going to move on to Rapid Fire. Who would like to go first? I will. Kevin. I actually have my Rapid Fire is based on a thread on our boards. I haven't been here for either of the... Disboard's discussion, so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. I know, really. Like, the show is cursed for you or something. I, I'm trying. I think uh, he's doing it on purpose. Uh, one of our posters, Terry of Terror, uh, has posted that they're doing surveys in Epcot. And the survey asks, uh, which country would you most like to see added to the World Showcase? Australia, Brazil, South Africa, Australia. Russia, or others? And following this, the next question on the survey is, which country would they least be, be least upset to see removed from World Showcase? Hmm. Well, I see no need for a, a country to be removed. I think Disney should... Get rid of the outpost. Get rid of the African well, outpost. Exactly. Oh, most makes the most sense for me. And there's been some discussion on it. And is Africa really necessary in Epcot? I mean, now that we have Animal Kingdom, Africa is represented in not only the theme park, but in the hotel. So the thing on our board seems to be that Russia. The other thing they talked about is the fact that Russia, R- Russia seems to be very, very popular. And um, some other choices were India, the most populous country. I never get interesting surveys like that. I get the, what did you have to eat and how long did you stay here? And when did you buy your tickets and where did mm-hmm. you buy them and who did you buy yeah. them from? And did you use your right hand or your left hand when you bought your tickets? <laughs> yeah, I get those surveys. <laughs> Me too. So do you think that's in preparation for new land? I think maybe it is. I see some, we see some new things going in the other parks. Um, the Magic Kingdom is getting updated. Uh, Future World has been updated so maybe it's time to do something new in the world showcase. Doesn't it? It seems unlikely that they would they would pick which uh, a pavilion to take down because they're all on you know sponsorship contracts, right? I mean, it would seem like as long as you've got the deal in place and they're paying their royalties, you would you wouldn't go in and then you, you wouldn't decide to take one down. I would. I would you, you don't think, right. yeah, you wouldn't think, but. I, I think it's odd that they're asking the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand them asking which one would you like to see added. Right. Actually, there's only one pavilion that's completely sponsored by the, one of the countries, that right? and that's Morocco. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's the only pavilion that's completely... Wait, you knew this? I knew this. Really? You didn't share? Well... It's the only one that's paid for completely by the country sponsoring it, and that's because Morocco wanted complete control. I did not know that. I didn't know that when either. When we did behind-the-scenes tour, they told us that. Oh, you were paying more attention than I was, apparently. Pete having a cigarette? Yeah, I might have been been having a cigarette break for that, yeah. But then on the other hand of what to add, if there was countries that were interested, does it come down to a vote? I mean, I can't imagine Disney going, oh, our, you know, readership or, you know, the people we asked in the park said, we want Russia and you're... What was the other countries? The other Australia. Well, I think what I think it just gives them an idea of what level of interest is out there for certain. I agree. They can't just add any country. They have to find a country that's willing to at least sponsor part of the pavilion. I think so. These are just like made up 
countries? No, I think maybe these no, are those countries. are real, real Russia. No, Russia. Oh, I mean, another. Yeah, made up countries. It's, it's no, I mean made up countries that, that these Europea. are No, like that they have. Oh, they it's have so fun it. when it's someone else. They're no, that's not what I mean. Like that. Has oh, your turn's the, coming, honey. Did any We're of working these, our way around the table. Did any of these countries express an interest, or is I don't this know, like Kathy. to? To, to, they've got the like the right answer in there, and then they've got some wrong answers think, in there. I think you're, I think all of these countries probably either expressed interest, or Disney went to them and said, "We're looking to add another pavilion." You would have are to, you interested? Your tourism division would have okay. to come up with X amount of dollars. And I have to give the funniest uh, the funniest line in the whole thread goes to Frank Fire Dancer, oh, who said, that. "If they put in India." He thinks one of the attractions will be a uh, tour of the Dale Call Center. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to get letters. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. Yeah, Fire Dancer said it, not us. Exactly. Right. We're just relaying the information. I just have to give credit where credit's due. I didn't want to use that line without <laughs> quoting my source. Tour of call but- Center. All right, thank you, Kevin. Walter, what do you have? <clears throat> I have. Disney's new, Disney's new Toy Story parking lot will provide more services than just a space for your car. This is at Disneyland? Disneyland, yes. Four new kiosks will be open to give guests the options of purchasing tickets and renting strollers before they get to the park. The goal of the kiosk is to help guests avoid the long lines at the front of the park and be able to head straight into the park when they're dropped off. Because the kiosks are portable, they will be moved to better serve Service crowds as needed. They need to add wheelchair rentals in the parking lot, too? Yes. Because the time it probably will be at strollers and wheelchairs. I can't imagine they wouldn't. The last time Pete and I were there, we went on a Sunday, and it, was, it wasn't that bad. And then I thought, oh, wow, tomorrow, Monday, will be a piece of cake. And we show up Monday, and the line is like halfway across. It's crazy. It's crazy out there. It's the biggest line I ever Especially saw in my life. if you have to do anything to get tickets. They've got all these booths, but none of them are ever open. Well, You've got, like... Here as well. Two windows open. You go to Epcot and there's but no. We're, but we're talking about. I mean, you're talking about lines for tickets that I'm not kidding. We're probably a half hour long. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, that's so, just crazy. I haven't been there in years, but I'm going to be there in 14 days. That's right. We're, we're there in 14 days. 14. Two days. weeks from today, our adventure starts. Forty people. Are Kevin's face is just glowing. I am. I'm so excited. Oh my god. I'm excited about this. I've been working hard on this. I know. You guys have really worked hard on our Adventures by Disney trip. How happy it looks, Kathy. How many of us are on this trip now? There are 44 of us. 44. 44 Dizzers. Well, 40 and us. 40 and us, yeah. Well, we're Dizzers, too. We're the original Dizzers. Well, I am. And then John. And then you. (laughs) And then Walter. Really? There's always been... (laughs) Are you new? I'm like Prince Harry then. I'm third in line to the throne. <laughs> yeah, no, he's second. Sorry. No, third. Third. It's Charles. Right. Okay, I was right the first time. Char- ah. well, no, Charles. Uh, uh, yeah, no, wait. It's it's Charles, William, and Harry. Yeah. Okay. Right the first time. All right. Okay. That means I'm there's good your, looking. There's one. your lesson on the, the British royal family <laughs> uh, for this show. Thank you, Walter. Teresa, what do you have? Kids sell free on select Northern European cruises. This summer, for the first time ever, Disney Cruise Line sets sail on an enchanting 12-night cruise of Northern European capitals. That we can't sell. Including Oslo, Copenhagen, Stockholm. Why can't we sell them? No, Disney's saying that. Oh, that we no, can't no. sell St. Petersburg, Russia. Your client can be a part of this historic... Your client. 
I'm reading this. Could be a part of this historic voyage and save too when you book this family friendly offer. Kids 17 and under sell free. Uh, European cruises departing June 12th and June 24th, 2010. Where are they departing from? Um, Teresa doesn't have that information in front of her. I don't have that information in front of me. Isn't it Dover? Right. There's going to be two repositioning cruises where they go from Barcelona. Barcelona to Dover. And then they're going to do those two, and then they're going to come back to do more Mediterranean cruises. So uh, I think this sounds like the more interesting itinerary, in my opinion, the I, northern. I, no, I'm much more interested in doing the Med. So they're going to Russia to see if they want to add Russia really? to Epcot. Mm, I, I just want to you... clarify on what. Uh, oh, that's all right. I didn't sorry. mean to. I was just curious. Did they do kids sail free the last time they were in Europe? They did uh, this summer. They did uh, kids sail free in the first part of the Mediterranean cruises. Is that right. And uh, this is very typical Disney Cruise Line when they can't fill a ship. Right, right. That's what got me curious about it. Uh, It's only for categories 8 through 11. Oh, yes. It said to say that. And uh, it's for new bookings only. And Disney Cruise Line, in their wisdom, someone got smart. Because it's for new bookings only, the people who have already booked are now within a penalty period. So you can't get this repriced. Oh, wouldn't that take you You have to cancel. And then pay a penalty, and then rebook it. Well, yeah, especially with these med cruises, they have these European cruises. They have been getting burned with that, where you know because they 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 dump the rates because they haven't filled the ships, and then you've got people that were paying eight thousand dollars now paying three thousand dollars. So would it pay to pay the penalty and do it, depending on if you had your we, kids or what? We Not actually usually. had we actually no. had uh, a couple of people on these sailings, and it really depended on the. Uh, when it was booked and how it was booked originally. If you're John and Kate, it might pay off. But other than yeah, that, right. I mean, if you have a lot of children. We had yeah. one family that was two parties that their overall sa- savings was like $78. Oh. Because they lost the shipboard credit and they right. lost this, and they, but they gained this back. So is $78 worth it to you? Depends. On new bookings, no. though, with Kids Sell Free, you're looking at like $1,200 savings. Wow. Mm-hmm. For a family of four, so it's pretty impressive. Also, I want to say too. Could I do that for twenty five hundred dollars? <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> I also want to say it's kids sale free with two full fares in the same stateroom, so it can't be you and one kid and the kid go free. You have to pay the first two passengers full price, and then it's children added to that same stateroom. Wow. So there are a lot, a lot of, of particulars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I have another um, kind of a discount thing here. 30% off non-discounted price when they when you stay at a Disney Deluxe Resort Villa for most nights, May 2nd to August 14th, 2010. Booking window is March 29th to August 14th. Other savings, 15% off select Disney Value Resorts, 20% off select Disney Moderate Resorts, 25% off Disney Deluxe Resorts. All kinds Disney, of cool stuff. Yeah, they just ended their winter-summer promotion, and now this is their next promotion. And it's, we're finding it's not as good as the previous mm-hmm. promotion. We were talking about discounts, and I know they were having 20% off for people with passes, annual passes. We were at Downtown Disney the other day, and I asked about a 20% off discount, and she said it's now only 10% unless you have one of the new an- or premium passes. Oh, uh-huh. really? mm-hmm. <laughs> I have one you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So this only, John, this is only for most nights to August 14th. What about August 21st? What about when you want to travel? Yeah, what about the week I want to go? <laughs> well, this is, this that's is, when we're hoping that it's going to be free dining. Right. So this will end, and then supposedly within the next week or so. Right. We don't know for sure, there's but there's no a rumor. But, but there's 
This, this is very typical Disney. Once this promotion ends, you're going into a, a typically slower period, so there'll probably be another promotion. We suspect it will be free dining. My guess it'll be free dining with the quick service plan, not with the regular table dining, service. Table yeah. service. Really? And why do you think that? Just because Disney has created this uh, quick service, lower priced option. So I think that makes the most sense to be the free one. Yeah, and there was also some reporter somewhere who reported that they were expanding the number of seats at a <laughs> particular... <laughs> at, I also uh, just want to say one more thing before you get to that. Um, people are getting pins. They're getting the pin codes in the mail, yeah. and it's free dining with quick service. It's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're expanding the... Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen this stuff. It's not really new. They're adding a couple of restaurants. So it's just interesting. It works out to, I guess, 20% expansion a World Showcase in terms of seating space, which... Which they need desperately. Right, right. Does that include the Mexico thing that we do? Yeah, yeah that's Mexico, Mexico and the, and the pizzeria. pizzeria. And well, then, those, well, those twenty percent more seats have backs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I wouldn't bang on it. No. And let's hope that the quick service Mexican food increases in um, quality. quality. Right. Right. Well, if you get the increase in quality, it's probably going to wind up with an increase in price too. <laughs> well, it, it's almost it's almost okay. Right. Um, right. Because if you're going to pay $12 for crap, (laughs) paying $15 for edible food seems like a bargain. (laughs) Right, right. All right. Well, thank you, Teresa. Kathy Whirling. (laughs) I have the Wishes Dessert Party has started up again. It started March 28th, and it's going to be available nightly with the following exceptions. It's for grad night, April 23rd, 24th, the 30th, and May 1st. Um, They've added a twist to it this time. They've got different pricing. Uh, regular dates, what Disney consi- considers regular dates, it's twenty one ninety nine for adults and eleven ninety nine for children. That's not that doesn't include the tax. And then they have what they consider a peak period, but they don't tell you what those peak dates are. <laughs> Whenever we decide, right? Pretty much. <laughs> oh, it's peak. <laughs> and the price for adults then is twenty five ninety nine for adults and thirteen ninety nine for children. Before the tax, Kathy, do you think twenty five ninety nine is still worth it? I signed up. I'm going to go see. I do, honestly. I I thought it was great. I want to see when I get there if um, if it's changed, if they've taken anything away. If they have, then it's not worth it. But it was worth it. So you signed up for a non-peak time or a peak yes, time? Yes, I did sign up for a non-peak time. I'm just wondering if you think, based on what you've experienced in the past, would you pay twenty five ninety nine for that? Yeah. Probably. What if yeah. you had a family of five? Would you do it then if it's not just you? Then it sort of depends. I think that would be like your one special thing to do. I don't know that so much for families with children because, again, you're going to be watching the parade go up Main Street. Right. And you can see it, but you can't see like the little, Detail. you know, the little spinny things that go around. So it's like you get the flavor of a parade. There's also some trees in the way. Yeah, there's, bl- there's, there's a lot of blocked views yeah. from there. I mean, there are spots you can see it, but it's just nice hearing that music in the background. But if it's like your first time to see the parade, I would stand there and watch the parade and, and not do the wishes party. Okay. So it just depends how many times you've been there. And for all you Stitch fans out there, we have... Um, closing from- the ride. No. Stop. They're having a Club 626 dance party for the next several weeks for the Easter break, March 28th to April 10th at Rocket Tower Plaza Stage from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. 
you can go dance. They're going to have a DJ playing music. So if you feel the need to dance in Magic Kingdom the next couple of weeks, you can do that. I like that little stage area. Yeah, though. it was. It was cute. It's and a DJ nice little area. Played nice yeah. music too. So it's nice open area. He played good Disney music. He didn't play that music you were talking about last week. The Royal Pacific music. Mm-hmm. Don't trust a hoe. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine? Don't trust a hoe. At a pool full of seven-year-olds. Maybe he was a gardener, and that was a tool he <laughs> Trust a like rake. gardening song. Okay. Some veggie tales or something. Yeah. Trust a rake, not a hoe. All right. All right. Thank you, Kathy. I made Walter laugh. It's got to be something. You made a gardening joke. I did. <laughs> My rapid fire is long. I apologize up front, but some really cool information has come out about the Disney dream. We know about the aqueduct, and we know about the portholes in the staterooms. A whole bunch of new information is coming out about what they're going to add to this ship. I cannot wait. 22 pieces of the art on board will be, high, will be behind glass and will have a surprising secret. If you stand in front of them long enough, the seemingly fused images will come to life. In one, a black and white photo of Walt on a 1941 Goodwill tour in Rio de Janeiro is invaded by some of the animated birds from the movie Saludos Amigos. In another, an apparently still image from the Mickey and Goofy animated short comes momentarily to life, resulting in one of several gags. Uh, And the one that really got me was there's a a faux travel poster for the Caribbean which swirls to life, and two adjacent oil paintings, one of a pirate ship and one of a Caribbean fort, will do battle across the air. Oh, that's wild. I think that sounds cool. They're going to add a detective adventure game. Some of that enchanted art that I just mentioned... Uh, will be programmed so that families can sign up for a free game on board where you get a card printed with a unique icon and map to the Enchanted Art. And you hold this card up and certain things happen, kind of like a Kim Impossible. Kim Possible. Kim Possible. Kim Impossible. Impossible. Impossible that I'll ever do it. Um, (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. And then uh, the other thing is... Blah, 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 blah. I'm I'm trying to get through this fast. There's a lot of information. Uh, in the kids club area there's going to be a magic play floor a 24 inch wide screen of HD panel no 24 wide screen HD panels are laid in a square grid on the floor like a game board or a disco floor by standing on the sensors which detect motion and weight up to 32 kids can play games together there will eventually be 14 to 18 games each with variable difficulty levels and the kids areas councils will be the masters of the technology one is Stitch's Laser Jump, an ever-complicated jump rope simulator. Another is Tron's Virus Attack. Players must repel and advance puck by firing at it. Rhino Roll. It simulates an enormous labyrinth ball table maze. I think that sounds That's really cool. That's yeah, wild. That sounds cool. And the final thing is uh, Animator's Palette is going to be completely different on this ship than the Good. other ships. Hallelujah. It's, it's going to have... Oh, I love animators. No. Yeah. There's going to be LED screens all around the theater, all around the restaurant, and that's what's going to be part of the changing of the color from black and white to color animation. However, there's going to be interactive characters similar to Crush in Crush's... Oh, oh, talk, talk, oh with talk, talk with Crush. I can think of While you're there. eating, they're going to be talking to you? So still? you're going to individual... Are you really going to eat all that? <laughs> individual interactive experiences at your table. Mm. I think that that's very cool. cool. That is cool. I like that. No, I can't wait to see the dream. I, I think cannot that sounds wait. Really awesome. My thing would only be where they're going to put 
those pictures. I hope it's like not down the hallway where you have to like Supposedly, make traffic. They're all over the ship. Okay, so it's like right near is, the central elevators. Is yeah. the inaugural crew sold out yet? It is not sold out. No, really. Uh, one of the reasons why it's not sold out is because of the um, way you have to book them. They're non-refundable mm-hmm. at all. Uh, you have to pay the deposit in full immediately. There's no thinking time. You know, can I go back to my family and think about it? So we're still finding availability on that ship, but it's very, very limited. Uh, much of the lower category staterooms have sold out, sold out, and yeah. all of the suites are sold out. So cool. All right, that will do it for Roundtable Rapid Fire for this week. We're going to move on and talk with our special guest, Jason Garcia, who is the theme parks reporter for the Orlando Sentinel. Jason, how long have you been doing that? Uh, well, I've been with the Sentinel about nine years now. I've been doing Disney and the Disney and the big theme parks probably for a year and a quarter now, and then broader tourism for almost three years now. And then before that, you were covering politics up in uh, Tallahassee. Yeah, that's right. I, I spent most of my career leading up to that, I'd covered politics. Um, and I spent three or four years up in Tallahassee covering state politics for us and then wow. had done some local politics And, and you didn't that. kill yourself. No. <laughs> no. Wow. I came close a few times. But, yeah. that must, that's a big difference, though. I mean, going from... Yeah, it is. Although, um, you know, it's actually... It sort of led into it naturally in the sense that when you... I don't know if any of you guys follow politics, but one of the things that's interesting... Just about, a little. <laughs> yeah. In Florida, right, the, the, there's a legislature that meets every 60 days... Or, I mean, it meets 60 days of the year. That's it, right? Um, so the session is always an interesting time. And one of the things sort of when you cover that you learn is, um, you know, uh, actually it was a, a, an old mentor of mine once described it as sort of 90% of what goes on up there is a trade show, right? It's, you know, 10% of the stuff makes it into the newspaper and that's class size or that's, you know, education policy or it's the the social big ticket stuff. But, you know, 90% of what's happening there is is business-driven issues that, you know, are pretty dense and down in the weeds but have sort of significant impacts on, like, consumers and taxpayers and all that sort of stuff. So... That sort of just got me interested in some of the the minutia that goes on up there, and in the way sort of business drives you know a lot of policy. And in Florida, when you're looking at businesses that are driving policy, Disney's sort of at the front of that train, right? Oh, you know, oh yeah. I mean, there 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 might not be a more influential company in the state when it comes in terms of dictating public policy. So, really? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there obviously there's other there's other businesses, and it all depends on the realm you're talking about. But right. Sort of Disney's got a lot of hand, and you know. Obviously, tourism policy and tax policy and tort reform and all this stuff, you know. Um, so that led me into getting into business reporting, and that's you know when you work for the Orlando Sentinel, if you're going to cover business, you may as well cover tourism. So right, and that's how I ended up doing that, and then shifting over. Once the Disney job came open, I sort of, I'd been sort of intrigued by that job since I was in Tallahassee. So do you think your your background reporting on politics then helped? Yeah, I do, in the sense that. Uh, in terms of covering the regulatory stuff they deal with, you know, so I've got a bit of a background, like, um, you know, I, sometimes I'll have luck tracking down what Disney's lobbying for and, you know, and what, what those changes that, that they'd make, you know, might mean. And so that sort of stuff helps. Um, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that I've had to learn, like the business of theme parks I didn't know I didn't know a thing about, you know, so that's sort of... Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a fascinating... It really fascinating is. ...fascinating operation, so... It's amazing, especially yeah. the uh, the impact that it has, especially here. I mean, oh, Orlando, yeah. this town exists basically for its tourism Oh, yeah, you're exactly business. right. You're exactly right. Um, now, you, uh, you grew up in Toronto. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I lived there until... I want to say I was... I lived in Canada until I was 15, so... I've Do been you say about? <laughs> I used to say about. About. <laughs> that's how I used to say it. <laughs> Did it help being uh, 
Canadian to have an impartial view of American politics? Um, you know, maybe early on in the sense that, like, you know, I I only became – I became a dual citizen last year. So, you know, for the longest time, it gave me an easy excuse to govern politics. I can't vote in your elections, right? But but it doesn't really – it doesn't really change the fact that you've got strong feelings about issues that you – Right. You know, you're sort of – part of the job is you, you try and set those aside when you're when you're covering them. So, How hard uh, is that to do? Uh, <laughs> so Pete doesn't it know depends how to do on, it. Right? I have no yeah, yeah because <laughs> yeah, I have uh, no concept. Yeah. You sort of get practice at it, you know. And, and one of the things, sort of, I've learned is like for most issues, you know, there really are sort of you know, there's lots of shades of gray and stuff. So, yeah, I that's mean, true. Um, there's not a lot of stuff that I've come across where one is absolutely right and one is absolutely wrong. So, um, so part of it, as long as you sort of focus on that sort of that gray, it's a little easier to do. Um, now, how many reporters uh, does the does the Sentinel have covering the theme parks beat? Well, we've got now. It, it used to be more, obviously, um, and more reporters in general at the paper. Nowadays, we sort of have two primary reporters. There's me and Dwayne Bevel. Um, and the way our jobs break down is I I cover the business side of things, so I'll cover, you know, as I mentioned, like regulatory stuff. I'll cover earnings. I'll cover, you know, stuff in the works and that sort of thing. Dwayne covers. Um, the consumer side of the theme park. So he'll do a lot about, you know, the experience of stuff and the, you know, what's new and what's coming and that sort of stuff. Um, and there's obviously some overlap, but Dwayne's a really sharp reporter, so he does a lot of good stuff for us across the board. And then, you know, I'll float into some of the experiential stuff once in a while, that sort of thing. In terms of uh, Disney sharing information with you, how open are they with opening their books and giving you information and tips of what's going to happen in the in the business side of the parks well i mean disney itself probably like any company not not super terribly open you know unless it's in their interests um i I sort of joke once in a while that you know covering government in florida if you want to know something you just got to make a public records request when you know covering disney you can send over a public records request but they're not going to respond to it so um, but there are there are lots of areas where businesses in Florida, particularly big businesses like Disney, um, sort of interact with the government. And, and if you start to to look at at those areas, you, you find interesting stuff, and you can you can use that as a way to sort of learn things and try and, and and things that you wouldn't have thought about before become stories. And then one thing I I had never known until I became a business reporter was uh, just how much stuff is out there through the SEC. I mean. Publicly yeah. traded companies have to tell you everything. It seems like um, there's just if you just if you spend the time, you know, reading these, you know, they're arcane documents. Uh, I think I use the analogy once. It's like eating your vegetables. If you just if you do it, um, you know, it's not a lot of fun, but it'll pay off eventually. You'll find sort of interesting things that you never would have thought of before. So, you know, it's uh, it's been a a common a common story, unfortunately, uh, the past couple of years about the problems that. Newspapers are facing as a right. result of, of the web. Uh, how much how much of, of what goes on on the web does that make your job easier, or does it make it more difficult? Well, you know, I, I'd probably say it makes it different. Um, you know, in certain ways, the we have sort of different audiences in terms of the news gathering side. I mean, I'm setting aside sort of the advertising environment because that's sort of what newspapers have really been hit by. But in terms of my job as as a reporter. Um, you know, we've got different audiences in the sense that I, I sort of generally have to to write for sort of a broader audience who, you know, they might not know Spaceship Earth is the Epcot ball, you know. So right. that's the sort of thing you, you've got to keep in mind writing that. One of the things I really like about it, um, though, is it, it, I sort of look at it as competition, which is really helpful. Um, 
coming from Tallahassee where, you know, Florida's got a pretty vibrant news market as a state. You know, there's there's some great papers in the St. Pete Times and the Palm Beach Post and the Miami Herald. And they're all you, you all compete in Tallahassee, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of urgency. There's a lot of metabolism in the way you work. I mean, you, you sort of get up in the morning worried about what the other papers have, and you better have it or you better have something better. Yeah. Um, whereas you get into back in the main market, you know, um, there's not a lot of competition. We're the only daily newspaper in Orlando. Um, and the TV stations will do a good job when it's sort of a big breaking news event. But otherwise, they're sort of – they're stretched so thin they don't do a, a, a heck of a lot in terms of, you know, day-to-day beat coverage. So for me, it's helpful to have sort of sort of these people that are, you know, these Disney fans and stuff that are really sort of inventive and, and working to find stuff out. I sort of use that as a competition. It helps me stay – you know, it helps me from getting complacent about stuff. What do you think, uh, since you cover the business end of, of this, uh, obviously the business model here in Orlando has been dramatically impacted by the economy, uh, over the, especially over the course of the last you know, two years, with Disney offering you know, discounts like they'd never offered before right. last year's 7 for 4 package. And, uh, now you've got the Wizarding World of Harry Potter opening, which you know, could potentially be a game changer. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the state of competition between these between Disney and, and Universal right now, and you know what what benefit do you think this is going to bring to Orlando in general? Well, in general, um, you know, from you know, I'm no historian because, like I said, I've only known this for a couple of years, but I've talked to enough people, particularly about Harry Potter. I've sort of been intrigued by this idea of what sort of impact this has on Disney and SeaWorld and the market overall. And I mean, everyone seems to sort of universally agree long term this is always good. You know, whenever one of the parks is is investing, you know, it, it, it's good. Um, it's going to drive further investment by the other parks. Um, so, I mean, it seems like, you know, it, it, we're obviously coming through a pretty pretty lean time. You know, I mean, Universal just got nailed in terms of oh, the amount of people they lost in uh, in the recession. And 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 Disney actually did sort of a really remarkable job attendance-wise, but, you know, as you mentioned, they discounted to get it, you know, and I think that's part of why Universal took such a big hit is, is Disney made it like anyone – Anyone coming during the recession was not leaving Disney property because, you know, they were saving every dime possible through these discounts. Um, so now it's been a rough time for both those parks in different ways. And now you go forward. Um, I mean, if Wizarding World really does sort of draw people like I know Universal hopes it will and a lot of tourism people hope it will, you know, that's going to be good for everyone. Um, and and if they do manage to pull some market share from Disney, um, that Disney will respond at that point. And I think you'll see – you know that that's only good for for the community in terms of you know money being invested and that sort of yeah. Thing. I'm guessing right now Disney doesn't think that it is because mm-hmm. they really haven't. I mean, this is no secret that Harry Potter was coming. Right. Everybody's known for years. They haven't really done anything to counter it. I disagree. I think the Fantasyland expansion is a direct response to Harry Potter. I really, I do. You don't think so? No, I don't, because if, it, if they were really going to respond directly to Harry Potter, I think they would have planned it so that it opened this year, not... Oh, in, I, no, no, I'm not saying that it was a fast response, or or Disney being Disney, but... But obviously, you know, if they really thought they were going to be losing huge market share this summer, for example, summer's peak mm-hmm. time, don't you think they would have put out some outrageous discount, some outrageous thing to keep people on property? Because as, as you mentioned, Jason, that's... You know the Great Wall of Disney. Right, right. They don't want people leaving property. Well, part of the school of thought um, that I've heard is that you know the thinking is you know that, that Universal has this year. You know, I mean, Disney could open Fantasyland right now. Let's say they you know rewind time and they started at the same time, 
And what you'd end up doing is just sort of splitting splitting the baby, right? You know, because mm-hmm. Universal is still going to pull a bunch of Harry Potter people in that are, are no matter. There's, there's nothing Disney could have done short of you know, um, you Opening know, like forbidding its guests from going to Universal somehow <laughs> to, to stop from losing. You know, some don't give them ideas, <laughs> right? <laughs> this would be an interesting ticket package. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's some thought that you know. Let Universal do the work in terms of if it, if it grows the market, Disney's going to pick up a lot of those travelers. If it's new people, you know where Disney will get hit is if you know what it does is sort of more cannibalize the existing share. Um, but then, but either way, you know you're not going to beat them this year. So so hope that it grows the market. You'll pick up some ancillary business that way. You might lose a little bit in share. But then you know in two years when sort of the novelty of Wizarding Worlds worn off, you're there with Fantasyland, and that's a new thing. From Universal's flip side, you know, you would say... Thank you. That is exactly what I have been saying is that th- it is going to wear off. I, right. Universal hasn't gotten this far in their marketing plan yet, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that, you know, okay, you're setting this up now, but it is going to, you know, it's going to wear off. Right. And what are you going to do then? Right. Because the you know, this thing- is what we saw... I'm sorry. This is what we saw happen with Islands of Adventure, mm-hmm. where, you know, they brought in all this business, and it was great, 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 great. Mm-hmm. And then it died off, and then Disney hit them with a one-two punch. They opened up Expedition Everest, right. which drew a lot of people away from Universal. Right. And then they changed the ticketing options so that adding those extra two days that people were spending going to Universal only cost you 5 or $10. Right. So instead of spending $100 on a ticket at Universal, I could spend $10 and get two extra days at Disney. What do you think people and the, did? The other thing I'll throw in there is they added Magical Express at that time. Matt, so yep. That was, a, yep. That was a huge... The other thing with Universal is it's going to have to generate great word of mouth. This new ride that we're hearing about that they're telling us is going to break new ground, it has to do that. The minute the word of mouth says that's really not as great as they're telling you it is or it's either going to be it's not as great or it's better than they're selling it, that's going to be a huge determining factor. If the buzz comes back, and I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about the buzz on the boards and on the in, on the web, that this ride that they're touting isn't all that great, or there's not a lot to do in Harry Potterville or whatever. Harry Potterville. Harry it's, Potterville. <laughs> it's a wonderful life land. You go into Potterville. It's it, that's going to change the face of it. Yep, absolutely. I'll that's, say this: the the you know Universal's been obviously incredibly secretive about details, but you know. The buzz in the industry seems to be everyone sort of expects them to knock it out of the park, you know. I guess the flip side of that is the the bar seems to be set pretty high that they're going to have to try and meet here. Do you remember when they opened um, Spider-Man? And I, wasn't, told, I wasn't here for that covering this stuff, but I do remember when it happened. Yeah. What happened was we've got new ride technology. It's going to be really great. It's going to be really great. And then they opened it, and it was spectacular. Right. It changed the way you looked at an amusement park ride. If this this new technology that they're talking about doesn't do that, this is going to drop off quicker, I think, than you well, think. Well, I think, you know, Spider-Man, Islands of Adventure in, in general, uh, benefited from, you know, lowered expectations. Right. That, uh, you know, Universal was always kind of viewed as the, you know, the red-headed bastard stepchild of Disney theme park, or of Orlando theme parks. And so it had that, you know, they had lowered expectations, and they opened up this beautiful park and this amazing attraction, as you mentioned, Spider-Man. And boom, you know, it was great. Well, now now that expectation, as Jason was saying, that bar is really high. What do you think will happen with Universal if they don't meet expectations, if this doesn't get good word of mouth? Well, um, that's an interesting question in terms of 
you know, I, I would love to see their pro formas inside to see what their sort of, you know, their best case and worst case scenarios are. Um, you know, it, it's sort of, I, it seems hard to believe that it won't give them some sort of boost. You know, even if they open it up to terrible reviews, there's there's an avalanche of Harry Potter fans in the world. There's a built-in yeah. fan base. Um, right. that there's going to be some cushion there. So it, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where they, you know, there, there's, you know, no benefit at all to this thing. Um, I, I think, um, you know, in the long run, what happens, uh, you know, if it's not as big as they, they think it is – um, you know, the, the flip side to that is they've sort of limited their investment in that it, they didn't make it its own theme park, right? So you're not locked into a Harry Potter theme park. You've got it. It's just one island in Islands of Adventure. So They may end up wishing that they had done a theme park. Right. If it's huge, <laughs> they might, yeah. Um, and what will be interesting to see is is one of the things I'm sort of curious to follow is if it does really well, sort of what happens to the future of Harry Potter as, as theme park attraction? Because, you know, obviously Universal doesn't own those rights. They, they license them from, from Warner Brothers and, and J.K. Rowling's folks. Um, so, I mean, does, does Universal get them for its other parks, or do they decide to do something on their own at that point? I, I, we know that Disney has a long-range plan mm-hmm. of always improving. This year it's going to be something, and next year it's going to be something else. Do you know if Universal has that? Have you run across I'm sure that? they do. I mean... This is another one of those things we're talking about the the public records request. I, I'm sure I'd like to request it, but they'd tell me no. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean they know that they've got a uh, it's a sort of a, a basic rule of the theme park business is you constantly have to reinvest. I mean you have to have new reasons for people to keep coming back, and um, so I, I'm certain they do. You know how closely that plan gets followed at any of these parks based on you know how the economy goes or what new possibilities pop up. You know. That's one thing, but I'm I'm sure they have sort of a five, ten, fifteen year blueprint of you know where they want to go. So we uh, asked some of our listeners on Facebook mm-hmm. to uh, submit some questions for you. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> it's the internet, <laughs> um, but uh, let me pick through the ones that I'll read. Uh, how do you monitor activities at Walt Disney World? Do you monitor Reedy Creek on a police scanner? Uh, and is this your primary source of breaking news for Walt Disney World that comes from Mike Holland? Um, I don't actually monitor any police scanners. We've got like a separate team of cops reporters, and they'll uh, they do that sort of thing. You That's know? more and, for breaking news, probably. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. And and when you have like an incident, um, like a a crime or an accident out at Disney, a lot of times, sort of the way the process will work from the newspapers standpoint, it'll be the, the cops reporters that handle sort of the early burst of that stuff. And we're all get involved is sort of working, you know, the contacts I've built up at Disney or around Disney to try and help them out. And then sort of I'll take over moving forward once it's past, you know, the initial cops burst of that sort of stuff. For me, um, it's mostly, uh, you know, you do a lot of reading of reading documents in different places and you do, um, I, I try and get out to the parks as, as often as I can just to wander in terms of, you know, just to see if anything strikes me as new, um, you know, or, uh, you know, just see if something sort of strikes my fancy as, uh, you know, interesting and worth asking about. Um, the parks will pitch stories from time to time, and you, you try and think through them in terms of, obviously, they've got their reasons for p- pitching them, but that doesn't necessarily make them uninteresting. So, right, you know, true. Sometimes they've got just interesting stories, you know, they're good stories. But Well, the- do you consider yourself a theme park fan? Yeah, yeah, I, I always have been sort of 
when I was a kid, I used to love theme parks. I never made it down to Disney. I went to Canada's Wonderland a lot, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do. And so it's it's a place I'll go socially too. So that makes it easier to be interested in the beat. Exactly. Know? Right. Exactly. Um, Kevin Yee asks, "Do you like the beat better at the parks or cruise line? Don't you cover both?" Um, I'm going to say parks just because they're sort of bigger and bigger. They're bigger, and you know they're a bigger part of the beat. That I'm fascinated by the cruise line and sort of those. I think Rasula once described them as the flanker businesses for Disney. I, I think that whole idea of sort of you know looking at, at vacation spending sort of broadly and that theme parks are I think the number is something like 7% of all vacation spending I'm probably way off on that number but there's some number that's theme park spending and and Disney and and these other companies trying to go after that remaining 93% in different ways Um, so that that strategy is interesting to me and how they pursue it so I I think cruise lines a fascinating sort of business and you know from talking to I deal with a lot of former Disney people as part of my coverage in terms of trying to get folks who who help me give me context to understand why certain decisions are being made and that sort of thing. And one of the things I constantly hear from people is those things are like floating mints, right? They're just printing money Mm -hmm. at Disney Cruise Line for the company. Oh, yeah. um, It's a fascinating business, but I'll say probably the theme parks in general just because they're a broader piece of the beat and there's more more different things going on there. What do you think of the uh, expansion out to Hawaii for a resort? Um, That's an interesting one, and I think – I'll probably end up writing actually quite a bit about that, even though it's not in Orlando, because I sort of look at myself as covering Walt Disney. Because you're hoping they'll send you. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I want to cover that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we need to do an on-the-ground inspection of that one. Um, what will be interesting about that is that's sort of, you know, they've obviously had a big push for sort of location, local-based entertainment, right? That, that you know, that maybe particularly domestically that the, the the massive theme park business is just about mature in terms of there's, you're not going to there's only so much more you can do to grow Disney World in terms of how many parks you can add. I mean there's different ways you can grow the amount of money you're making off them or the amount of money you're capturing. Yeah, they're getting good at that. Right, through Magical Express, through the ticketing structure. Um, but you know, one of the the thoughts is that there's there's more growth to be had in terms of building sort of smaller niche parks or niche attractions that might capture people's shorter trips you know in between the the big visits to orlando or california you might capture like you know weekend trips or or smaller trips and off years that they're not doing the big theme park trip and where hawaii comes in is that's going to be a giant test of that right um you know i'm sure you guys know disney's bought some of that land in washington i was just going to say isn't there some in virginia also um i think technically the land might be in virginia um but it's like basically washington it's like looking across the river washington dc um and I don't know that they'll do anything with that land until Hawaii is up and running, um, and they've seen how that does. You know, does the does the Disney brand pull people who are not going to Disney in terms of you know people that don't want to go to Disney World but want to go to Hawaii? Is the Disney brand strong enough to make them want to do a Disney vacation in Hawaii? Um, and if it is, I think you'll see more of that, and that's when I think you'll see probably something come out of the ground in Washington. If it's not, um, you know. I'm not sure what the strategy is beyond that, but it's sort of that project is fascinating in the sense of it as a as a test for this philosophy. Well, they've already sort of done that mm-hmm. with uh, Vero Beach and Hilton Head. They have, but those are sort of those are really modest projects in the not on the scale of what they're talking. Oh, what they doing Hawaii, in Hawaii? Or, or yeah. with what Jay Rasulo, you know, uh, used to talk about about location based entertainment. Those are more. I'm not sure what the history is of, of how they ended up at Hilton Head or Vero Beach, but those aren't aren't really the same model in terms of no one is a uh, no one is making the day trip to Hilton Head or a weekend trip to Hilton Head solely because of that that 
spot, you know, for, for the right. Vero Beach. Part of that came about because Disney was trying to capture that um, beach theme park combination sure. experience. Makes sense. They got a lot of people saying, well, I want to spend a couple of days at the beach. Well, they thought, well, if we had a property out there, it would attract right. you. Right, right. It makes sense. I don't believe that it it's worked. Play, playing the way yeah. it came out. They're great uh, DVC properties. Mm-hmm. They worked great for DVC, but not mm-hmm. in that term. That makes sense. We talked a lot about Disney and Universal. What about SeaWorld? Anything cool. going on there that's... Uh, how is SeaWorld, how is SeaWorld faring in this, in this market? Um, they're, um, they're, I think they're doing well. I mean, obviously, it's sort of a weird time for them right now, right, given everything with, uh, with the killer whale incident. Um, uh, covering them is... Setting that aside is, all, is actually a lot of fun um, in that I've noticed uh, they are the most open in terms of making executives available to talk and sort of, you know... Really? Sort of nothing hold about... Yeah, I, I, I think... Um, you know, I, I can't speak enough or speak highly enough of Jim Atchison, the, guy, the CEO out there, just as a reporter covering him. And that every time I've met him, you know, he hasn't had any problems with just sort of whatever's on your mind. Ask, you know, I mean, they seem far less secretive than Disney or Universal, right? right. And so that that's sort of fun to to deal with, you know, in terms of it, it makes for I, whenever I can talk to sort of decision makers in my job rather than you know uh, spokespeople, it's. It's a lot more interesting in terms of sure. you know, I'm going to learn a lot of insights I didn't know before, and and it's you know I'm talking to someone that that you know that really understands the metrics involved with whatever they're doing or, or what's happening. So having that access to to those people when it comes up with SeaWorld is always a lot of uh, really interesting for me to deal with. So, but did you find them very forthcoming with the killer whale incident? Yeah, they were. Um, it's funny. I think our business columnist Beth Gassab actually wrote about sort of contrasting SeaWorld's approach versus with the killer whale incident versus Disney's approach after the monorail incident, which was the, the, there's obviously a lot of differences between those two scenarios, but they're similar in the sense that they were two sort of very big theme park tragedies that 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 seemed to take on a life of their own afterwards. I mean, both times I was sort of, especially after the monorail, I was sort of shocked at just how much I ended up writing about it in terms of there were just constantly different questions coming up and there seemed to be just no shortage of interest in it. Um, and the same was true with SeaWorld. And, and, and SeaWorld was sort of right from the, the first night, I remember them making their uh, their uh, corporate curator, one of their corporate curators in charge of like animal behavior and, and, and a few other things. He, they were putting them on the phone with me and they were putting them in front of the TV cameras and stuff, you know, and... I mean, right up through. I'm sure some of you guys saw that press conference they did. You know, three days after, and that yeah. was, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you think of what Jim Ashton. Obviously, there were some questions he didn't sort of satisfactorily answer, but he was willing to take them all on live TV, which sort of impressed me that there was sort of he got up there and said fire away, and, and hmm. people did, and that that sort of impressed me in terms of the willingness to do that. Now, why would SeaWorld be like that when the other two really aren't? Is it a lack of media savvy, or is it just a different corporate culture? Um, I think there's a couple of things going on. I think one is corporate culture. Um, SeaWorld, especially now, is on its own, right? Uh, it's not – Walt Disney World is part of the Walt Disney Company, which is probably the most brand-protective company on planet Earth, right? So, I mean <laughs> – yeah, that's true. Um, so there's a very different a very different sort of corporate culture there. Um, and even when, even when SeaWorld was part of Anheuser-Busch, they, they were sort of a one-off business for Anheuser-Busch. So they were still sort of like a, – a, 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 almost like a – their own operation, right. you know. Now, SeaWorld also, I mean, they have other motivations for 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 addressing this. That in that, you know, unlike some of these other accidents, with the the killer whale incident, does it triggers a big debate about animals in captivity, which is something that goes to the very core of what SeaWorld does, right? I mean, if you decide 
that animals shouldn't be in captivity, then there's no SeaWorld. Um, so they they need to be filling that, countering that space that there's a lot of animal activists that are going to be out there. And if so, it, they are hurt more in a situation where they decide they they choose not to respond to stuff, and that the only voices you hear talking are, are you know the Humane Society of the United States or the you know the dolphin activists yeah. and stuff. The so other that, thing is Shamu is SeaWorld's premier attraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This would be like you know if the mag- if the castle at the Magic Kingdom burnt down. Right. It, right. I mean, this is this is their brand. Yeah. But I think SeaWorld's always been that way. Even when Aquatico was out there, they allowed people, you know, fly over, take mm-hmm. pictures. I, I think SeaWorld has just always been a different culture in general, where Disney's always tried to control the story. And SeaWorld said, you know what? It's just better to face everything straight on and let's tell people this is what we're building and this is what we're doing. Yeah. That's what it seems to me to be. I've, I've only got a couple of years doing it, so I, I can't speak to the history of it. But, you know, even before this killer whale stuff, I, I'd always sort of thought of SeaWorld as the more accessible of the parks in terms of, you know, willing to talk about stuff or make people available. So I, it seems I think a smart way to handle it. It seems like you, st- you stop the story. Except for one thing. There's also not – you don't hear – see people posting on the boards that they found the blueprints to the new hot dog stand at SeaWorld. Yeah. Oh, well, no, but when Aquatica was built, there was that level of excitement of, look, we found the blueprints for Aquatica. There was a level of excitement. Oh, yeah. I, but yeah, but I, there's you know, also a smaller fan. Uh, I don't think base. anybody's petitioning the SEC for blueprints for or for information on SeaWorld. I just I don't see it that has that level of following, that fanatical I think that's desire true. to... I, I think that's true. A part of the game plan there is, I mean... They want to build as much publicity as possible because there's not there's not the same level as there was. There's with, not that built in the fanaticism, right? Right. Um, I, I think it's you know there's a lot of factors, and in any given scenario, probably has its own unique ones, like the killer whale thing. But I mean, corporate culture is part of it. What you're talking about is part of it. Um, there's just all sorts of factors that just seem to add up. All right. Well, again, thank you very much, yeah. uh, Jason, for joining us. You've taken a lot of time out of your schedule to be here today. Uh, folks, what's in the show is an edited version of our uh, interview with Jason, and uh, the full version is also going up with this, uh, just for time consideration, because this is would actually be like the longest show we've ever done, because we still have one more segment. But it was really, it was great yeah, to have for you, having me. and I'm so glad that you uh, you can stay for Stump the Roundtable. I, I can, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, because... Uh, I'm not going to be very good at it, but... That's okay. <laughs> oh, then let's play for money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It made me look good, huh? I like the fact that we have some very creative listeners who like to do certain things for us. And Mike Holland has uh, created a little, uh, little intro for our Stump the Roundtable Uh-oh. segment. Welcome to Stump the Roundtable. Today, you, the listener, will try and stump the members of The Roundtable. Joining The Roundtable today are Pete Warner, John Majon, Corey Martin, Julie Martin, Kathy Whirling, Teresa Eccles, Walter Eccles, and Max the Intern. Did we so get Kevin? sit back in that chair while you, the listener, try and <laughs> stump The Roundtable. Thanks, Mike Holland. <laughs> I thought that was cute, though, even though I forgot you. <laughs> it's it's an actual round table that you're sitting at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We get that question all the time. Is it really a round Is table? Is the table actually round? That means you don't have to play. Okay. Fine. All right. So you guys ready for your first one? I hope he's embarrassed. <laughs> 
Oh, see, now Kevin's going to be fixated on this he mic. Is. You're I never going to live it down. You aren't. All right. Go first, paint your little trees. First question comes from Eric Blauvelt, who asks this question. What does it mean? Don't you try looking at my screen. <laughs> what does it mean when you see Stitch on the marquee of the resort or transportation buses? Oh, I know that one. It's the software that's being used on the bus. It's what? The software that's being used on the bus. The version of the software. Uh, that's not what he says. He's, He's wrong. wrong. <laughs> Anytime we're right. We're going to say it. I don't he know. says the answer is the bus is out of service or on a break and will not be making any stops. Usually that's with the DH on there. Deadhead. Can I get partial points? We're going to have to check that one out As there, Eric. I say, I think we need a ruling on that. We're going to need a ruling on that. Right We're going to get uh, confirmation on that before we, uh, we award that as a stump. So, what are you talking about? When the bus when the, when, has when the marquee, marquee, has, when the marquee the says stitch. And you're saying that it's... The um, version of the software that's being used on the bus. Okay. Why would we care about that, though? I mean... If you see a bus stitch, going by yeah. and, and it, it says, says stitch. Because you'll see different buses and it'll saying, say like Snow White and it's just telling you what version of the software. But he's saying that it's because the bus is not in service, that it's not going to be stopping. So, Which makes sense. It's a trivia question, okay, Teresa. I know. Okay, I know. All right. We're doing great so far, aren't we? Yeah, really. What a wonderful start to this. This is fun. And I'm not even playing. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) All right. From Chris in Arlington, Texas. What is the name of the railroad room at the villas at Disney's Wilderness Lodge? The Golden Spike. No, it's not. No, it's... uh... Repeat the question, please. What is the name of the railroad room at the villas at Disney's Wilderness Lodge? It has Spike in it. The Carrollton no, Snow? No, no, no. The, the something Spike Room. Right. No. The Roy. I can see it. I've been in it. I read about it once. Five. What was it time? Four. Three. Two. One. The Iron Spike Room. Nope. It is the Carrollwood Pacific. Ah. Uh. Again, I want a, a ruling on he that. He has a link to prove the answer. It's on the official Disney website. I checked it. There's it a plaque outside that room. There is a plaque outside the room. And I believe it's called, the, the plaque says the Golden Spike Room. The Carrollwood Pacific is the name of the train that Walt put in his backyard. We're going to go see it on our adventures by Disney. It's in a barn in Griffith Park. I think this is make the round table look bad. I just think everything is going to be contested. <laughs> no, no, the Take off the contestants Hold here. on, hold on. We pull it up. The Carrollwood Pacific Railroad Room. The Villas at Disney's Wilderness Lodge offers many secluded nooks and quiet sitting rooms where you can relax or gather. One of these rooms is designed as a romanticized replica of a hotel built for the railroad workers who constructed the first transcontinental railroad. This room is dedicated to Walt Disney's passion for trains, which began when he was a teenager Blah, 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 blah. It is the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad Room. You have stumped the roundtable, Chris. Congratulations. You win a $25 Disney gift card. Now, if I go take a picture and the sign says the Golden Spike Room, can I go get the card back? No. (laughs) All right. (laughs) This is turning into a very different segment than I imagined. And CVW Workout. CV Workout. Question is a two-parter. 
What iconic Southern California resort is the inspiration for the design of the Grand Floridian? The Hotel Del Coronado. Del Coronado. The Hotel Del Coronado is correct. What scene in the great movie ride also has a historical connection to this resort? She doesn't win because you got the first part right. Let's see if you got the second part right. What scene, scene in the, in the great, great movie ride also has a historical connection to the Hotel Del Coronado? Casablanca. No. Don't just guess. Just don't go through the ride and start mentioning stuff. You'll never get this. This is amazing to me. These questions are actually harder than I imagined. Oh yeah, oh, no, these, they, <laughs> and they I was some, imagining pretty hard. And these and I and there were ones that I skipped over because they were. There's just, not a some like it hot scene in the great movie ride. Nope. Give up? No, I'm going through the ride. <laughs> it's not going to be the dumb movie at the end, is it? Nope. All right. I don't know. The Wizard of Oz. L. Frank Baum often stayed at the Hotel Dell, and it's believed that his descriptions of the Emerald City were inspired by it. Okay. So, but you got the first part of the question correct, so therefore, I'm sorry, you don't win. God. <laughs> That's a little esoteric. Bizarre. Next question. All right. Comes to us from Mike Land 6 on the boards. Michael, everyone knows about the little airport runway that is located just east of the monorail where Walt Disney World guests used to fly in from Orlando Airport. What is the name of the Starport. airport? Yeah. Short takeoff and landing. Yep. What you you let me finish the question, please. <laughs> Sorry. What is the name of the airline that flew from MCO Orlando McCoy Airport to DWS Disney World Airport? It was an Eastern, oh, I, was it? I just read this in that book. Right. Oh, I forget. Was it a major airline or was it no. a Disney? It went from MCO Airport to Disney World. So it's like, what, 15 miles? Is it like a thing where it's like wed something or no. anything like that? Is it still in operation? No. You're I right. Forget, I forget. I don't know. The only reason I hazarded a guess was because I know this was in that book you're talking about, Project. So what is it? What's the answer? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> the answer is Shawnee Airlines hmm. is the name of the airline. And Michael stumped the round table. Are you writing these down? Oh, no. Am I supposed to be? Well, yeah. You Gee, thanks, be. guys. Send it to me. <laughs> I also know that there was a, there's a second runway at Disney. It was built next to Epcot when Epcot first opened, and it was for delivery of goods to Epcot, and it is since closed. There were also three helipads built at Disney, and there's only one still in existence. Does anyone know where it is? Epcot? It is at Epcot, but you're going to have to give me more information. <laughs> that's, that's the best I got. Two people have I'm forwarding these to you. Oh, thank you. Good. That it's behind you. the Living Seas. It's the last working helipad at Epcot. Oh, really? Or at oh. Disney. All right. Are you trying to prove you're smart and you know no. stuff? No. Because we're not getting them right. This is interesting. This is from Jack Bergen. Can you name the locations, at least two, on Walt Disney property where a road goes under a body of water? Yes. In front of the Contemporary and next to the beach, uh, next to the boardwalk. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. Sorry, Jack, you did not stump the round table. Shame on you. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear now. Uh, Pat of Suwanee, Georgia. She worked for that airline? <laughs> yes, she must. Shawnee. Shawnee, sorry. This is interesting. There's a bronze partner statue of Walt and Mickey in the center hub in front of the castle. There are other bronze statues around the inner circle of the hub. 
How many character statues uh-huh. surround Walton Mickey, and which characters are they? Okay, now you should be able to count them. There's Dumbo. Wait, 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 wait. I believe there's eight statues. You are correct. There is Jiminy Cricket. <clears throat> no, Jimmy Cricket is not one of them? Nope. There's Minnie. Correct. There's Pluto. Correct. There's Donald. There's Goofy. Slowly, yes. There's Dumbo. Correct. It's five. There's three more. Isn't Chip and Dale? That's correct. Snow White. Did you say Goofy, nope. Goofy, Pluto? Two more. What so was that? Pinocchio? It's seven. Oh you got one more. <laughs> you have Pluto, Goofy, Dumbo, Minnie, Donald, Pinocchio, and Daisy. Chip and Dale. Nope, that's not correct. I'm out. Well, come on. It's got to be logical, right? Not necessarily. No, it's not a logical character. Simba. Nope. No. Roy. Five. <laughs> Peter Pan. Four. I give up. I don't know. Three. I still think it's Jiminy Cricket. Two. <laughs> one. It is Br'er Rabbit is the eighth one. Mm. Oh, wow. Kathy. Br'er Rabbit. I'm going to be going to the parks and taking notes now. Congratulations, Pat. This this this, uh, this segment's going to cost us a fortune. I hope these people all feel better tonight when I'm up all night trying to think of answers. <laughs> the only one I can test so far is the Carolwood Pacific. Okay. This one, only because I'm going to give you a range in which to answer it is the only reason I included it, because you'd never get it right. A range? Within 500. Within 500. How many triangles are on the Epcot ball? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Within 500. 10,000. Incorrect. 86,000. Incorrect. The problem is is that if this is something I should know from chemistry. It's a buckyball. So it's made up of X number of these things because that's the way it recurs in nature. However, three triangles form another triangle. Two hundred seventy-five thousand. Incorrect. Just turn the math. Class. Are we high or low? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's 180 feet tall, right? So, not that that helps us get it. How far is it off the ground, though? <laughs> right. <laughs> How many beats does it take per second to keep a swallow aloft? <laughs> I think we're too high. I think it's something like twelve seven thousand or. Incorrect. Oh. I don't know. I'm done Anybody? Do <laughs> so you know who told us this? Mark on the Disney cruise ship on the last podcast cruise told me how many how told us how many triangles right, there were. Did. Well, this this question came she to apparently us. was listening. This question came to us from Kelly Harris. Congratulations, Kelly! You have stumped the roundtable. Eleven thousand three hundred and twenty-four. That was close. Wow! Is the number? Yeah, if you had said if 11, you had said ten thousand eight hundred, I would have given it to you, but you didn't, oh, wow. and I didn't. So congratulations, Kelly. Is there an easy one in there? Nope. Really? Epcot stands for... Oh, come on. You think I'm going to pitch you an easy one? <laughs> or did some people send in easier ones and you were like, well, that was yeah. good? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're discriminating against those people? Well, I want, I want questions that are answerable, but at the same time difficult. So that's what we're going for here. If I, yeah, if I ask you, what, is, you know, what does Epcot stand for? Um, I'd have to confer it with Jason. All right, so let me ask. Uh, so the next question from, from uh, Dan Heaton in St. Louis, Missouri. <clears throat> Who was the original narrator of Spaceship Earth when it opened in 1982? Walter Cronkite. Incorrect. The conventional wisdom is that the answer was Walter Cronkite. But 
He actually didn't appear on the ride until 1986. Who was on before him? This is where I need the dating game music, just like the music bed. Mm-hmm. Send that to me, Mike. Send me the, just the music bed. Anybody? I thought, it, thought it was Walter Cronkite. Roy Disney. No. Nope. Was it Edward an astronaut? Uh, no. No? I can tell you after that. Actor and voice artist. I'll give you that much. Walter Brennan. Incorrect. Walter Brennan. <laughs> Vic Perrin was his name. Vic Perrin. Oh, Vic yeah. Perrin. Oh. Tip of my tongue. Yeah. All right. Congratulations, Dan. You stumped the round table. This is now like the most <laughs> expensive segment ever. Yeah, this is working up there to a podcast cruise. Did right? you just make you you confirmed all these right? That that was true. That answer. Yeah, he said he verified the evidence. You verified it. Okay. Because it's just like random name. Good. Good try, Teresa. Yeah, really. I mean, you know. Boy, I'm t- talking about sore losers here. We are sore losers. <laughs> we are. Dudes, dump the round table. Okay. He gets that gleam in his eye when he finds the question. Notice that? This comes from Shane Snyder, who asks, which of the following is not a Disney urban legend? Which one of these is true, in other words? A, the top spire of Cinderella Castle can be removed unscrewed in the event of a hurricane. It's not true. B, well, we'll hear them all. B, in order to get financing, Walt had to construct the Burbank Studios in a way that could easily be converted to a hospital in the event that his business would fail. C, before he died, the last two words Walt Disney penned in his Burbank office were Kurt Russell. D, shortly after the Disneyland Haunted Mansion opened, it was closed and mildly rethemed after a fright-induced guest had a heart attack. So is it A, B, C, or D that is actually true? I think the true one is Kurt Russell. And I think the one about the hospital. Let's see. That's what I'd go with, too. The Kurt, hospital one? Total guess. Kevin is correct. It is, uh-huh. in fact, Kurt Russell. And I know that one for a fact is true, that that was the last thing he wrote before he died in his office. Huh. Kurt Russell was on a pad. Yep. What yep. was the reason for that? Do we know? Uh, he was Kurt attracted Russell. to him? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <stop. laughs> Kurt Russell was in a couple of Disney movies in the 60s. Oh, I know. Yeah, Walt was very fond of him. He that, was. In, he was in good, that he thought yeah. he was going to have a, career, a big career. So but then, of Kevin course, he get, met Goldie Hawn and had the life sucked out of him. Does Kevin get the home game of this since he, he got the Kevin's question? got three corrects so far. Kevin's just, you know. <sighs> the other thing, too, is he's also very jumpy. Sorry. You got to give us time to think. Yeah, let us uh, know. No, it's you know it's stump the roundtables. I need one of them. Like the guys one at of the Super answer. Bowl, let the slow ones I catch we up. We're supposed to work together. <laughs> John, I feel sorry for you going home tonight because he's going to rub I'm it. I'm going to throw the ball slow. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's my sports metaphor. This is a a, a great question. It's oh, a great question. Lord. This comes to us from Mike Peltzer, Bedlam Six on the boards. What TV personality was traded to NBC in exchange for the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? Hal Michaels. Very good. That's correct. Oh, thank you. Wow. Jason Garcia comes up. That's correct. That that's just re- happened recently. Right, right. It just happened recently. Disney finally, after, what is it, 80, 90 years, has finally gotten the rights to uh, Oswald the Rabbit back. And who is this guy they got in return? Al Michaels. He's a sportscaster. Oh, Do you okay. believe in miracles? That's yeah. yeah, you're not talking that the right crowd here. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're definitely working. Yeah, we were talking about Oscars. It was like right a sports you. trade. They traded I couldn't figure Al out Michaels who Hal Michaels was. I thought they said Hal Michaels too. <laughs> Who's think, that? 
Yeah, I think it was Iger was the guy who negotiated that with uh, with oh Ford Disney. I think it came up sort of one of those. That's funny. Interesting. Now Jason hey, and I have it. right answers. I think like, one of the reasons that Al Michelson came up recently, too, is just that NBC was crowing about having him for Olympic hockey again because he called the Miracle on Ice okay. game back in oh. 1980. Yeah, you're still talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> no, I at least know who he is. But. All right, our last Stump the Roundtable question comes to us from Denise, who asks, Who has the highest positioned window on Main Street and why? Oh, it's the guy who climbed the Seven Peaks. Yep. Um, Frank Wells. Very good. Yeah. I, I didn't know the window, but I knew the description of him. <laughs> wow, that's that's correct. It is, in fact, Frank Wells, the former chief operating officer under Michael Eisner, who was an avid mountain climber and died in a helicopter a helicopter <laughs> helicopter accident while on expedition. I have to tell you, I never would have come up with his name, but I knew it was the guy who climbed the Seven Peaks. And I never would have come up with it without the, the mountain climbing. <laughs> mountain climbing, yep. It's all about teamwork. So that's our uh, that's our first. What'd you think? First shot or stump the round table? Tough. I, I did a great job. <laughs> you were fabulous. And and Jason got a couple of them. I said Pinocchio. You, cool. you contributed like one eighth of one question. I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> we can only go up from here. <laughs> so what we we gave away like five or six, didn't we? Give five away five or six uh, twenty five dollar gift cards. If you have a question for Stump the Roundtable, we're going to do this uh, uh, the last show of every month. You can send that in to me personally, Pete at wdwinfo.com. I'm the only one who reads that account. And I get the questions and pick them. Mm. If you're if you have submitted a question and it didn't get read, it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't be read on a future show. It's just that I didn't choose to read it for this one. Pete, did any of them stump you? All of them. All of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would not have gotten. I think uh, the Hotel Dell. I would have gotten that part of the question. I wouldn't have gotten the, the Wizard of Oz part. I wouldn't have known the Carrollwood Pacific for the uh, uh, for the. Uh, Wilderness Lodge room, um, and I mean it's uh, he gets the even if it's different when you get there he gets the he gets the card the gift card because it is on the official Disney site as the name of the room. There's also I think I was wrong I think it's the iron spike that it says outside. Kathy said yeah I think Kathy's right. <laughs> oh all right that is going to do it for our show this week folks thanks very much for joining us we want to thank Jason Garcia again for being our special guest this week. We will be back with you again next week with another episode of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Thanks for listening, and remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. 